finish, uh, we're going to continue reflecting on the last part of chapter 1 of Proverbs. So if you want to turn there, I'll be referencing that a few times here. So uh, you may want to get that in front of you again. Starting in verse 18 through the end of chapter read yesterday. And we talked about, real quickly in terms of review, we talked about the, um, the danger of refusing wisdom's call. Refusing wisdom's rebuke to the uncommitted, um, and and how serious that is. Uh, but that's not all it has to say to us. There's there's another message here. There's there's an additional uh, component to this message that we're going to consider this evening. Um, there was a Wall Street journalist uh, a number of years ago who referred to one of our former presidents as a profoundly unserious person. <laughs> A profoundly unserious person. That's the term she used. Uh, I know who you're thinking. It's not that one. <laughs> um, this phrase, profoundly unserious, seems like an appropriate description of much of what we encounter in our walk through the world, either by choice or just incidentally. Look around you for a minute. Consider the cultural air you and I breathe. Pull up your YouTube video feeds, scroll your tweets, watch a commercial, consider Hollywood's newest releases and the top ten pop charts that we even got uh, a dose of from Pastor Hatting earlier. Um, There are exceptions to this, of course, but it's safe to say, I think, that we are a profoundly unserious people with attitudes and practices that betray a kind of unserious approach to life. But remember... This is the very audience, this is the very, the very kind of person that wisdom addresses here in our text. The unserious, the uncommitted ones, particularly the uncommitted youth, fancying themselves free from responsibility and authority in the world, floating through life, unaware of the danger that lies ahead of them, buying today what they cannot pay for tomorrow, playing life like it's some kind of inconsequential game. Unseriousness. But here is what Lady Wisdom promises to those who will listen and take hold. Verse 23 of our text says, If you turn at my reproof, says Wisdom, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. That's the promise that she makes. The Lord is saying to us in this message from Lady Wisdom, Sometimes I'll disagree with you. I will confront you with truth. I'll correct you. I'll rebuke you. I don't work with perfect people. I work with responsive, teachable, humble people. Here is the response I'm looking for. Turn from your ways. And that word turn really implies that there's still hope, right? We talked about that yesterday. There's still hope. There's still still hope for the simple. And it's the most important word used in the Bible to communicate the notion of repentance. Turning. It is not a sentimental word. It's a decisive word. And so if we decide to turn away from our present selves, both our failures and our attainments, and turn toward wisdom, which is profoundly manifest in the gospel of Jesus Christ that you have all heard, and we say to him, our Lord, I want you to renew me. If need be, let's go all the way back to the very foundation of my salvation and start over again if we have to do that. Whatever it takes but I am open to you challenging my life. 
I'm not protecting anything from you. I'm not hiding from you anymore. I want to become wise. I want to become mature. I want to be like you, O Lord. If we turn decisively with this attitude, with this kind of openness and humility, what is promised for us? Verse 23, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. What wonderful assurance we have of this. There is a warning, but there's also a promise. We are all weak. We have tried before. And we are, some of us, so tired of failing. We may be thinking, I do want to turn to Him, but how can I keep up? How can I keep doing this? I'm spinning my wheels, but we cannot give up. We must keep up. There is a promise here that we can stand on. We don't want to be counted among the fools and bear the curse. Verses 24 through 26, Because I have called you and you refuse to listen, right? You refuse to listen. It goes on to say, I will laugh at your calamity. If you rebuke the call that I'm giving you, if you do not heed my warning, I'm calling you publicly. This is not private. This is not a secret. I'm not whispering this in your ear. This is a public call. A public call to repentance. But if you do not listen, I will laugh at your calamity when it comes. And so wisdom's condemnation of the simple and uncommitted consists of an accusation but it also consists of a judicial sentencing. So there's an accusation and a judgment. And tragically, wisdom's shift from accusation to condemnation implies that the uncommitted had no taste for her invitation to life. And this, of course, is tragic. This is a dreadful warning for those who remain uncommitted in the face of wisdom's call to life. If we are too busy for God, the very source of life and our salvation... He will judge us, and he will not apologize for that. Hell will never veto the joy of heaven. God's laughter here through Lady Wisdom is not a giggly laughter. He does not laugh at the pain of fools, but he does rejoice at the defeat of evil. That is the kind of God we serve. And so do we, don't we? We laugh at the defeat of evil. The whole city Proverbs 11 tells us, the whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. They shout for joy when the wicked die. That's God's attitude. And not only that, but God also laughs in amazement at the stupidity of fools. It's as if God says, I'm offering you everything you desire in your deepest heart, and you go on marginalizing me still? Really? You've got to be kidding me. That's laughable. Anything, dear Christian, seems to be better than that kind of rebuke from God. That is why it's a mercy when we do suffer pain and trials of various sorts. For the heart that is soft, suffering is how we finally crack open to God in many cases. It's when we finally stop laughing at God and we take Him seriously. It's when we really get to the bottom. And so the Christian life is anything but unserious. It's certainly joyful. And it's a lot of fun, but it's not unserious. Right now is the time for some of you to turn and say, I'm not laughing at you anymore, God. I'm listening to you. I'm listening to your call. Whatever you have to say to me, I want to hear it. And I want to take it seriously. If you are in earnest with God, he will make his promises true for you. But if you turn away, the Bible says a storm is coming for you. A storm is coming. When terror strikes you like a storm, our text says. 
The perfect storm in your life is not really uh, necessarily when you fail, or fail miserably even, but when you acquire perhaps a superficial kind of success and you finally get the perfect little life that you think you've always wanted, that may be your disaster with you right in the center of your little world. It will prove to be the poison of your kingdom coming and your will being done. That may be the description of your disaster. The storm in your life might be when you get what you want, in other words. Or it might be when a dream dies. Either way, God does not hit you over the head with a hammer in these cases. He doesn't have to. The sorrow comes from within the darkness of your own choices. Uh, Verse 31 of our text. They shall eat the fruit of their own way and have their fill of their own devices. These are the natural consequences of foolishness. God uses no trickery with us. Hardness of heart inherits itself. And hell cannot be more inescapable and just than that. C.S. Lewis wrote famously, and you may be probably familiar with this quote, There are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, Thy will be done, and those to whom God says, Thy will be done. O simple ones, how long will you love your simple ways? Wisdom asks us. There is a storm coming, and this is serious. So clear your calendar. Wake up from your slumber, if that's uh, describing you. Uh, Wisdom is dangerous, but... But wisdom is dangerous like fire, not like poison, because wisdom can purify you. Folly is more dangerous. Folly is like poison. It's lethal. There's no redemptive quality to it. It will turn you howling and insufferable. But the irony here is wisdom is dangerous, but wisdom is also our only safety. It's our only hope. Verses 32 and 33. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But... Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So all this danger, all this threat, and now here at the end we have this beautiful assurance of protection and safety. Note the contrast between the complacency of fools in verse 32 and the ease of the wise in 33. There's a big difference between those two. The complacency of fools Versus the ease of the wise. Complacency is counterfeit ease. It's fake. It's fraudulent. The truth is, Jesus Christ himself is dangerous, like wisdom. But he said of himself, my yoke is easy in Matthew 11. The reality is that he is easier on you than you are on you sometimes. He will love you tenderly, correct you helpfully, and carry you faithfully all the way into wisdom forever, if you're willing to follow. And the price you pay for this true ease, Jesus says, whoever listens to me, you give up yourself and you follow Christ. Reverent listening sets you apart to Christ, where alone you and I are safe. Doing nothing is the most dangerous thing of all. And so Jesus took these words from wisdom personified that we've read and and considered briefly into his own mouth as wisdom incarnate. He too warned of a storm coming to his disciples. He told us that everyone who hears him and obeys him will be like a wise man who does what? What's the image he gives of the wise man? Build a house on a rock. That's right. Who builds a house on a rock, Matthew 7. 
And when the storm comes, well, it doesn't matter. We're not concerned because the rock of his grace holds. But everyone who does not listen will be like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. There you go. The sand of, don't rush me. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not all that bad. I'm too busy right now. I've got other priorities going on. Maybe later, after I've had some fun. That's the sand that you can build your house on. The constantly shifting sand of self. And so when the storm comes, that house falls. And oh, how catastrophic that fall is, Jesus says. So, we want our God in Christ to give us the grace to leave our simple ways. Um, to wake up from our slumbers. To heed the call. And to turn and cling to him who is our only hope and source of joy. And so, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, you and you alone bring life out of death and beauty from ashes and strength from fear and victory from defeat. And our hearts are full of resurrection hope in Christ. And so, O Lord, in him we know that these dry bones can live. Our hearts are often hard. Our worship is often frail. We are often unserious and idle. And we ignore the call to wisdom. We are unfaithful. And deserving of death. But our hope is in Christ, the risen Savior. And so in him, restore us, O God. Raise up your church in a godless land. Raise up men and women and godly children for your glory. That we might see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So grant us your peace and contentment and spiritual maturity. That only comes through faith in your son Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing the doxology again.